0: it. Sorry, that one sounded weird. That was too breathy. It's <laughs> <laughs> fine. I don't get it. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to I Don't Get It, a podcast about performances in Edmonton. I'm Fonda. And I'm Paul. And we are uh, proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered, powered by, by ATB.
1: ATB. How are you, Fonda? I'm doing okay. It's uh, it's the tail end of Easter weekend, and we are we are still have full bellies and all the things.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have one full. I have a, my my big old Easter eat is tonight, so um, I'm. Excited! I'm excited for that.
1: Excited and terrified to cook a turkey. <laughs> yeah,
0: and we saw we saw a show with a pretty much full house on Easter Sunday. Um, is the thing we did?
1: Yeah, like a, a show about a drag queen on Easter Sunday too, which was great. Yeah. Um, we saw the Empress and the Prime Minister currently playing at Theater Network. Um, it is a brand new play by Darren Hagen. Um, and uh, yeah, well, what is the what is the premise of the play here? Um, so it's a bit of a
0: it's a bit of a historical imagining, I guess. It's based in history. And so it is uh, telling the story of uh, Ted North, a a drag queen, um, who uh, had a correspondence with Pierre Elliott Trudeau, who had uh, a relationship, uh, a friendship, um, and uh, a political sort of activist uh, connection with uh, with Trudeau. um, Had been sending a a letter, had been writing letters um, to all sorts of politicians, but in fact um, Trudeau was the one who responded. And so it sort of um, looks at that aspect, that friendship side, as it played out well. Uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau was revising the, the criminal code and um, decriminalizing uh, homosexuality in in Canada, as mm-hmm. as the terms were at the time.
1: Yeah, it was kind of a neat history lesson. It was also um, uh, about Ted North's life um, <laughs> and sort of how he uh, grew up and graduated into being a, a drag queen and sort of inducted into the imperial court of the wild rose. <laughs> yeah,
0: and how that how that came to be in Canada, especially. We see that play out. It sort of um, uh, and and. Uh, uh yeah, other queens and other other characters. Uh it's a two hander. Mm-hmm. Um the
1: cast is uh Darren Hagen. And uh... Joey L'Esperance mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll try my French there yeah. but he was like both performers were fantastic um, and uh, Joey had uh, they both kind of play a scale of characters but Joey um, plays Trudeau mm-hmm. um, the older Trudeau of course mm-hmm. uh, and also um, some of the other characters that uh, in Ted North's life um, that he that were sort of um, uh, impactful in, in some way or another. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. um he has a relationship with a Catholic um figure
0: mm-hmm. in the church who's sort of um uh who's uh who's learned to navigate I forget the exact wording in the play, but who sort of uh his is, you know, lives his sexuality and lives his life but in secret and sort of navigates this world quietly in terms of that and does not want to um, rock the boat, or you know, um, change change how that is, mm-hmm. um, and and other such figures as well. Yeah. Um, the show opens with a drag number, which yeah. I I found a fun a fun hook
1: to Snowbird to Anne Marie Snowbird. To Snowbird.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we get into the storytelling of sort of visiting this and and what their uh, what their relationship was like. Um, Les uh was uh, was a great performer, especially in. Um, uh, there's sort of uh, we see moments of a political debate where he sort of plays um Trudeau and and the opponents sort of in the run up for the uh, for the premier or uh, prime ministership yeah. the election and sort of how they how they all discuss this and what they look at this idea um, and and these new changes like
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he he de- kind of goes through this interesting character scale of all of these politicians from the 1960s, um, and the um, the bill in question that um, the play really talks about is Bill C150, mm-hmm. which is passed in 1969. Like so many other things that happened in 1969, um, uh, so um, Hagen, I think, when was writing this play, um, d- sort of to honor that anniversary. Um, it's also the anniversary, the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots mm-hmm. um, and the moon landing and. The Charles Manson murders and all sorts of things <laughs> yeah it was, a, it was a big year <laughs> it's a big year but Bill C150 was um, as the play tells you what I really liked about the play is that it actually did really um, kind of educate you through what this bill actually was mm-hmm. um, and uh, he, which in a lot of ways wasn't enough um, yeah you know, mm-hmm. um, one thing I appreciated about this look
0: at history was it sort of didn't didn't pretend it ended there Um it sort mm-hmm. of looked at some of the like yeah okay um it's made the private consenting adults their behavior uh legal in that way or that it's no longer the the business of police but it's still can you be public can you you know kiss your love in public can you do all these things are still not permissive and that is that is you know there's this lingering sense at the end of like yes we've crossed this certain boundary hooray success but that's it's still just a step, and we're still there's still more to do. And 50 years later, yeah, that is still the case. We're
1: still not done yet. We also just had an election in Alberta, and I feel that this play was very aptly timed for what happened last week. Yes. Um, but it's what I found really interesting was that uh, the character of Trudeau in the play explains that, um, Homosexuality has never been illegal. What was illegal was um, uh, sexual acts between men or between people of the same sex. Mm -hmm. And that was termed uh, very vaguely in the law as gross indecency. Right. Um, right. And so even just having that removed from the code didn't necessarily mean that it was permissive to have you know, to, to, to be gay. Right. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. And I thought it was like, uh, it's a Darren Hagen play. It's very witty. There's a lot of like sharp verbosity, um, and like, uh, retorts and things like that. But yeah, some of the more lingering, um, uh, moments were those moments when it sort of was like, okay, well this, this is still the case. This doesn't change. Or like, this is, this was never a problem, but we're pretending that it is, or we're like framing it in this way to move this much further, but it's still not there. And, you know, in, uh, the character of Trudeau in this play sort of, you know, it was. In, in sort of defending where they're at is sort of mentions like oh you can't you can't legislate minds you know you can't legislate thinking like this is a step and we have to sort of introduce this step to change people mm-hmm. um, you know uh, whereas, whereas uh, Ted North's character um, wants that change now of course because it's uh, his life it's there it's the life there that's being lived and the people and that community mm-hmm. um, that want to just be able to live uh, you know as they are There's this is very powerful image of of the history Mm -hmm. of Ted North standing on the uh, courtroom steps in Vancouver in 1958 in full drag with a sign that says, I am a human. Um, you know, and and thinking about doing that in that time, and the bravery of that, you know, and and how how far we've come, but also how far we haven't come, um, you know, in in those ways was yeah, those were the moments that really uh, stick with me from from the show. I think
1: mm-hmm. one of the parts that stuck out to me was that um, even you know even as Trudeau is um, sort of on the right side, I'll say, of this argument, sure. he still had to be he still had to be sort of like pragmatic and a little bit diplomatic and when he was talking about or when he was in the debate mm-hmm. you know he the, he warns Ted North um, early on he says you don't have to go and watch this because people are gonna say awful things about mm-hmm. you and your friends um, and it's and it, and it is painful because they do go through um, a number of these sort of like uh, pro- phrases that were actually said during during these debates that in, were in both official languages in both official languages yeah um and it's and it, and it's rough it's, it's 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 upsetting and then you know but you kind of also see how trudeau had to talk about it so that it would be passed so mm-hmm. that it would be accepted um and and and, and eventually it did Yeah,
0: there was um, there's a line early on in in the show where Trudeau talks about how politics is about being the right person at the right time and sort of like how timing has so much uh, impact in that. And yeah, on on one hand, it's like, yeah, he was the right person at the right time to do this in this way. But it's still, you know, it's moving at an inch, you know, when it's towards, you know, equality and, and and things like that. Um, when there's still so much more to go, but mm-hmm. that was seen at you know at the time as this huge victory, um, uh, but also as shown in this play, um, you know for people in those communities it was seen as a step. Yeah. But we're still in danger in these ways. You know we're still n- treated second class in these ways. You know we're still not allowed to be not allowed to be who we are, mm-hmm. um, in the same way that. Um, that assisted people are allowed to be who they are on the street
1: mm-hmm. and thinking about this play in that sort of um you know it's very contemporary context now um there's a great part where um it shows how how good of an orator Trudeau is mm-hmm. um he talks about you know when he is elected he's is he's giving his acceptance speech mm-hmm. um he's talking about how. You know, Canada will be progressive, and that's the big thing that they end on. And and a, a little bit later, Ted is talking to Trudeau, saying, "You have the entire country behind you, except Alberta, <laughs> which up, is but, but kind of always been true." <laughs> about sadly, um, yeah. So so, how, how did you feel about um, how, this play um, being performed um, now and today? Yeah, I think, um, uh,
0: you know. Uh, as you said there was an election um and our sort of four years of an ndp government for you know the first time in history is now they're now the official opposition the united conservative party are now um uh the the government um of the official government um it is the 50th anniversary of things like um stonewall and these these very important events and um in in edmonton there's a lot of um uh, discussion and uh, you know uh, issues happening right now uh, around and, and in the LGBTQ community. Um, Pride was cancelled.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, um, by a board for um for reasons that are being seen very un- unjustly and sort of, um, uh, yeah. All of all of which to say, this this sort of um, it feels like yeah. Again, in that sense of like we still have a long way to go. It it shows that um. You know, there's a line right at the end, near the end of the play about how, like, you inherit this country, future generations here in this country, they also inherit this battle, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that um, uh, right now, it feels like that right now in Alberta, it feels like it's like, right, this is, uh, this is a, a, a moment of another step, you know, that needs to happen, but there's so much, it's still, it's still not easy. It's never, it may never be easy, mm-hmm. Um which sucks.
1: Yeah, which sucks. Hence the importance of the, the play being done now so we can talk about it and people see all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's some discussion in the play about um, conversion therapy and the different methods that were used. Uh, Ted North uh, it, uh, it briefly s- speaks about how he had electroshock therapy. And of course, mm-hmm. it didn't work because that's not something that you can change with electroshock right, therapy. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and one of the other things I thought was kind of interesting is that... The, and it wasn't it wasn't a big part of the show but they did mention um the difference between uh drag performers um and and men who are impersonating women Mm. um and uh the the there was one line where uh uh i think it was ted said you know the important thing is that you know you're not a man impersonating a woman you're you're a man and you, you're not impersonating a woman you're a man you're a dre- you're a gay man in a dress i think mm-hmm. that was the line um and that's that was an important distinction to make i think um because yeah i mean sometimes drag performers like as a woman sometimes drag performers can seem a little bit like they're making fun of women Mm -hmm. Um, and that's that's not that's not really what they're doing I guess so Mm -hmm. yeah just a distinction to make sure
0: absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I thought um Yeah, there was a lot of uh, interesting contextualizing in this in the show in general, Um, whether it was even like giving context for the there's no place for the state in the bedrooms of the nation. Like that was that is attributed to Pierre Elliott Trudeau, but it was like copped from a Globe and Mail article, which in turn stole it from somewhere else. Um, this thing that now iconically is attached to, to this person who I think the Trudeau character says, like, well, who cares if I said it best? Like, great.
1: <laughs> if I so, said it best, it's still mine. <laughs> right. So,
0: so be it. Um, you know, and, and, um, yeah, some of those moments are given sort of context, uh, which is which is interesting history. Uh, yeah. It's a good it's a good a good history show in that like um, it feels very vibrant and it feels very uh, relevant to right now, mm-hmm. um, even though it's looking at something fifty years ago. Yeah, which yeah. in its own way sucks that it's still <laughs> like that. Some of these these things are like uh, don't feel like oh
1: man, what a way it used to be. It's still like well, are we really that much better?
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> fuck (laughs) you guys you should have really seen Paul's expression on his face when he was like "Mm, I don't know know, can't
2: can't say we are
1: Uh, do you want to give a special shout out to Tessa Stamp who was the set in costume designer the costumes in this were fantastic Mm -hmm. I particularly really liked um, Joey Lesperance's turn um, as one of the one of the empresses I think uh, someone that uh, Ted North met in San Francisco Mm. Um, just great operatic singing not lip syncing um, and really, like, a wonderful part of the performance to see him play, you know, this sort of, like, uh, you know, uh, starch-collar figure in Trudeau, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden this, like, fantastic drag queen comes out. Right,
0: because, uh, you know, Darren Hagen, um, right off the top, starts with the drag show and is our narrator and sort of goes in and out of drag throughout. But they, they really make you wait for that, that first Joey, um, that first Joey uh, drag number. And, yeah, up until that point, it's Trudeau being a politician trying to um, navigate these things and then yeah it's uh it's lovely to see that that switch
1: mm-hmm. and in that way it had kind of like the nice sort of like breaks that a drag show does where you got to like just enjoy enjoy a bit of a song clap along you know it's mm-hmm. all it's all um fun stuff so yeah um do you think you know um i guess you know RuPaul's drag race is a huge thing it's a yes. huge pop culture thing mm-hmm. now um what do you think is you know uh where where does drag fit in the modern sort of like milieu of stuff? Did RuPaul's Drag Race really do that much for it, you think? Or is this even the same thing? <laughs>
0: that's a that's a great question and I am uh, perhaps not the best one to answer as a, you know, I'll check my my privilege as a, a, a cishet dude. Mm-hmm. Um but I think it, you know it's had a huge um cultural impact that show. I think um that said, there's so much local drag in Edmonton and other cities as well um, that is not connected to the TV show. That uh, is taking their their own risks and their own evolutions and um, their own interpretations of what that looked like. What that looks like. On one hand, yeah, RuPaul's has really um, uh, given a window into that world, I think to to a lot of people like myself um, um, Who who previously perhaps haven't but it's like a window into a particular style of that in the style of a competition television show mm-hmm. um, I think there's also um, Drag has a great many forms and so I mean if that is a if that is a window into and helps um, normalize and um, uh, uh, Make that um, uh intrigue people uh, about that great cool you know you see uh, people who are who have graduated from rupaul's show graduated is maybe not the the rest the best term but um who were on it and now are doing solo tours or playing places like the windspear mm-hmm. or places like that so that's wonderful um but yeah i think drag is a very diverse art form um and that is that is just like a tip of the iceberg look into what it what it can be
1: yeah and i think one of the cool things about this show and seeing it in a packed house on an easter sunday afternoon mm-hmm. um is that it really speaks to darren Hogan's legacy in edmonton he's mm-hmm. been doing um shows not really only narrative history shows, but narrative drag shows that he that you know very well written he's won tons of sterlings and things you know for the better part of twenty years i think yes. i'm not sure i don't rem- i don't know the year the first one came out but um he's been you know very consistent he's been d- inducted into the um Is it the Queer Order of Canada? The Q-something of Canada? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was uh, initially where he first um, heard Ted North speak, was when he was um, being inducted into that thing, I think. Mm -hmm. It says it in the program. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But in any case, it's really interesting to see sort of like a very sort of traditional theater audience uh, actually, just are really big fans of Darren, and they've you know they they buy into this show. It was it was sort of a basic subscriber audience that we saw um, in in the in the show yesterday too. Whereas I don't think that that's necessarily true for um, Bob the Drag Queen at the Winspear Center.
0: <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. I think Darren has a local audience, and it's this interesting uh, section of the theater going audience and the drag going audience, um, and, and people who just know uh, who he is and like what he does, or maybe have read his book. Edmonton Queen, um, uh, yeah, yeah, and I think that has, um, yeah, th- as you said, it sort of speaks to like that that local interest and focus on on Darren's work and his legacy as sort of uh, an important storyteller in this city. Mm-hmm. I think for um, uh, yeah. I will, that's, that's all I have, the sentence ends there. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and, and to be using actual, uh, you know, um, uh, historical speeches and things like that, incorporating mm-hmm. them into the text, I thought was kind of cool. He did that with The Witch Hunt, Witch Hunt at the Strand as well. Right. Um, and so whereas a lot of his other plays, I think, are more autobiographical to mm-hmm. Darren's experience, um, the, the, we're seeing him delve into this, these kind of other stories that are like really like history lessons in mm-hmm. um, LGBT culture, which is kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All cool. right. Cool. All right, and how about uh, well, how about we top that off with uh, with our first ad. <music>
0: This episode of I Don't Get It is brought to you by Unit B Coworking. Unit B is a multi-company co-working space located in the historic McKenney Building in downtown Edmonton and is focused on helping people pursue their passions. Join a tight-knit group of freelancers, startups, and established organizations, all dedicated to getting things done. Along with desks and offices, Unit B offers members access to its podcasting studio, meeting spaces, kitchen, Wi-Fi, and the usual amenities. Book a tour today at Unit B
1: all right um what else did you get up to this week uh
0: well uh I, I went to see the latest brian webb uh show uh which was called next gen next generation of south asian dance uh and i went with uh, a guest uh larissa uh, pohoreski um who uh who offered some wonderful insights into into that work and and those pieces i guess those that works those works and those pieces
1: cool we'll just throw to that now
0: hello Larissa hey Paul <laughs> um, who, who are you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started
2: okay uh I'm Larissa Pareski I'm an Edmonton-based uh multidisciplinary artist mm-hmm. I guess I'm an actor musician visual artist uh dancer all the, all, all the things all the things mm-hmm. if there's art involved I like to do it right and like a Ukrainian Easter egg artist extraordinaire oh, no. as we've recently found out <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's a thing
0: <laughs> right and uh, and we went to see the uh, Brian Webb Dance Company's uh, presentation of uh, the next generation of uh, South Asian dance which was um, a surprisingly long bill. I thought typically most most contemporary dance shows sort of uh, cap out around 90 minutes but this was in fact uh, four pieces of, of South Asian dance, um, uh, each of which um, had, a, had sort of a different flavor and seemed to be uh, doing, uh, doing some different things with, uh, with that idea of, of sort of tradition and contemporary and how those, how those fit together. Um, so maybe to start off, what were just some impressions you had, Larissa, of some of, some of the work overall, the things you noticed in, in the movement and, and what we saw?
2: Uh, well, first off, I was so impressed with the dancers' Control and there, like in terms of isolations and techniques, mm-hmm. there was so many foot patterns and complex rhythms that they were like they were generating with their bodies, but also in the music, both live and canned sound and mm-hmm. the kind of play in between with the sound. Um, I loved all the intricate hand m- motions, yeah, yeah, the, the gestures, gesture, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew. A little bit of classical Indian dance um, from a friend who had like kind of tried to teach me mm-hmm. so I recognized a few a few gestures and we talked about that um, but it was just amazing to see how quick and how precise uh, and for me when I dance I love technique and form mm-hmm. and so that just was amazing to see just how strong they were yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was um, two of the works were duos. There were two performers and two of the works were solos. And and sort of in that regard, I, one of the ones that really stands out to me when I think back on, on the whole show uh, was uh, the second piece, uh, Sam and Ve, uh, which was uh, maybe felt um, the most uh, similar to previous uh, experiences I've had with, with Indian dance in terms of it was three solos. Um, and two of the pieces, two of the other pieces were trying to tell these sort of uh, narratives or translate like these epic, uh, these epics uh, in a new way or in a different story, uh, but this one felt like three three pieces of just showcasing um, movement and style and that that work, um, and it was it was very impressive for me um, for those for those three pieces within that within that one.
2: Yeah, I was just that that piece that second piece. I just couldn't believe that one performer, like she never left the stage, mm-hmm. and that was it was so long, and, and she, like, I got. Yeah, I was just impl- in really impressed with their athleticism as well. All like all of the dancers across the board. I never saw them um, like a change in their breathing pattern. I didn't see them show any fatigue. And so when she just kept going, and I was like, wow, you're you're a machine. You're amazing.
0: Yeah, there were were blackouts between each of those three segments, and she would sort of strike a pose. And then after the first one, I was like, oh, great. Well, okay, we'll see the next dancer and see how that goes. And the lights just came up on her again, (laughs) and she started going. And that was, uh, yeah, it was... um, uh, so many spins, so many powerful <laughs> controlled spins and gestures.
1: So many spins. Every time we see any kind of Indian dance, Paul is always like, the spins. Oh my God, the spins. Uh, there's <laughs> something just
0: really um, magical about seeing that control and that sort of movement, I find, uh, especially when it's presented in that way with sort of beautiful costume and sound, you know, both. Uh, coming from outside, and they're, they're wearing sort of... All the performers in, in the show wore those... Um, I don't know the term, but it's like those bells on their legs.
1: Yeah, the, an- are... the anklets with bells. I, they they do have a specific name, but mm-hmm. I can't think of any. Mm-hmm. I can't think of what it is right now.
0: Right, so so they're partly also generating their own rhythm and sound mm-hmm. in, in among all of this while controlling this very precise gesture and movement and body work. Um, I find it stunning. It's great. The spins are amazing. I love spins.
2: <laughs> the spins, I was just kind of floored and I wonder I'd love to talk to someone who who does more South Asian dance like uh, I might be mistaken but most of the spins that I clocked they were always spinning to the left Mm, okay counterclockwise and growing up as a dancer that was like the generally the more difficult way to spin most (laughs) people turn right turn clockwise it's very (laughs) rare to find someone and all of them were spinning left Mm-hmm. every and even when they started on opposite sides of the stage they were still going left mm-hmm. so I wonder if that's just like in the can like in the lexicon or choreographic choice I was just mm-hmm.
1: were there any other things that you noticed that were different sort of than um, like Western ballet
2: spins like what sort of like the shape of the body or how they were doing them yeah yes yeah, a, a lot they're <laughs> yeah because I was just so locked into into technique and mm-hmm. um, on flat feet, yeah, and yeah, yeah. a lot of traveling through the heel, which was different for me. Um, and then, yeah, occasionally, depending if they were doing the spins on the rather than traveling, I didn't notice spotting as much. Um, mostly, that was reserved for the traveling spins. So I was just really impressed. It kind of reminded me of figure skating, mm-hmm. how they can do multiple spins without getting dizzy <laughs> and without <laughs> without spotting. Um, and yeah just different holds because classical ballet uh or western dance for chenets you see a lot more kind of you see the strength in the arms you see the lats pulled down you see them in like a classical second position and these ones the arms it didn't really matter they kind of traveled on their own
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
0: um doing gesture or sort of their own storytelling at the same time
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting about the chenée So chaîne is a, a, a t- typical ballet spin where it's, it means chain. So when spins are chained together, um, and uh, yeah, the, the type of spins that they do um, in, in this dance, I yeah, the figure skating thing completely makes sense because you can only spot to a certain speed. <laughs> Once you start going fast enough, you can't spot anymore.
0: And spotting is sort of where you, you turn your head really fast before the spin, so you're sort of, your head isn't constantly spinning, right? You're sort of looking at one spot.
1: Yeah, it's when a dancer kind of make, has a visual anchor <laughs> while they're spinning, um, and you'll see their head kind of whip around after their body does. and it- Apparently, it makes you less dizzy but only in certain cases <laughs> sure um, you were also before we got in here you were talking a little bit about the narratives that you saw in, in some of the pieces so um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about about the stories that they were telling sure
0: um, so the first piece uh, was called uh, Sangharsh the conflict within um, and was sort of uh, uh, both of the narrative pieces sort of connected to the, uh, the uh, mighty battle of uh, Khrushetra um, which is uh, part of an epic poem, uh, is 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 my understanding. And so both of them actually had spoken dialogue in, in English sort of over top um, to sort of tell, tell that story in a very um, specific way. Uh, so in that first one, there were sort of two parts to it. Um, there were sort of two characters, but the part that stuck out for, for me um, was sort of the latter half of it, which was this mother's story of um, her five sons are in the war um, and she goes to the general of the other side of the war, who is also one of her sons, uh, which he learns in that moment, um, to sort of beg for her son's lives. Um, so that they don't die die in this battle. Um, and uh, and and then then sort of navigating that. It felt like it had a lot of internal thoughts, both from the mother and this other character and sort of um, these spoken lines of like what they're thinking and how they're feeling about going through this um, this process. while also seeing that um, in reflected in the dance, I think especially that first piece had a lot of, um, uh, Pantomime is not the right word, but sort of interpreting the words very literally in in some of the movement and some of the gesture before uh, before it sort of amped up into more um, dance side of things, I guess.
2: Hmm. Yeah. And the uh, I was, I'm just thinking about the the second one that had the narration. Mm-hmm. So the the first one, the the like the voiceovers, the voices we heard were those characters, mm-hmm. and you could see that they were isolated in spots, um, and so you could kind of attribute. The voices to the dancers but then the the last piece uh urja <laughs> love that ignites the narration was the narrator was shiva's uh like weapon trident i don't know what it's yeah, called yeah. so this object was narrating what it had witnessed which was kind of different and interesting for me it's like oh okay yeah
0: yeah because it was this sort of um this tragic love story of the gods it was even this this god who'd sort of um been in love and then had, had lost that love and it was sort of reflecting on um on how that transpired and it sort of starts uh with this this image that we come back to in the end um uh, but yeah we have this actual spotlight on this prop sort of um weapon and and staff and and sign of authority as this like deep booming voice comes over Mm -hmm. the the overhead to sort of um give that
1: perspective so is the dancer dancing with like an apparatus with something or Mm -hmm.
2: Mm, no there was a they had a set piece um so they also changed a little bit of the set between every number Mm -hmm. but so that the love that ignites that piece there was a like a throne and then the staff just kind of as Shiva's place Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah and it had just like a little bit of blood on it which I think was yes. supposed to like wow. yeah show that like wow. yeah
2: yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, There, there's a choreographer's note on that work that says um, uh, I chose this episode to be performed uh, because the love that Shiva and Asati had for each other made for a great story we humans complain about the mishaps which befall us in different ways this episode tells us that even the gods are not spared however I believe a love as an emotion is eternal and immortal therefore lovers too Become immortal within the emotion, which is a line that last bit comes up mm-hmm. in the in the narrative in the show as well.
1: Cool. Um, one of the other things you had mentioned earlier was um, uh, the use of facial expression mm. in in some of or at least one of the pieces you had noted it. Um, maybe give give me a sense of what
2: how how the face is used in some of these dances. Mm-hmm. Um. In the so in the more. I don't know, because I'm not learned in South Asian dance. Okay. I would say, the, to me, the more traditional pieces, the mm-hmm. solos, um, I was so impressed because their face was, like, so serene the whole time, but the eyes were very wide, very open, mm-hmm. enhanced with the makeup, and then just the specific, specific eyelines um, and, like, head movements every so often. But then through the, uh, when there were the the narrative pieces with the voiceovers, yeah, they were really uh, the expressions changed to be quite earnest, I think, in trying mm-hmm. to convey the emotion, but still, but they were still very serene. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there was a certain calm to it. Um, I think the one the one we were talking about earlier was the third piece. Um, so the first after the oh, intermission, uh, yes. Krishna, the dark blue lord, who attracts all, which was performed by uh, Naren uh, Ganesan um, and I think I found uh, Nerwin to be a very expressive performer. Mm. Um, it's sort of this, uh, this story of, um, it has a lot of works, but it's also at one point describing pranks of a childhood um, and, and some other things, and I felt yeah. like he had a mischievous uh, mischievousness to uh, to his face, which sort of gave a very um, playful dynamic to again all of the very intricate dance work he was doing. There was lots of um, spins and this incredible sort of one-legged stance at the end. Like it felt like a cool like holding. Like it got an applause break. <laughs> um, just the angle he sort of like managed to hold his body at, and and um, yeah, yeah, that piece um, had sort of a very different flavor because of that, because of the expression I felt um probably the music as well and some of those things but but um the performer really conveyed a different sort of emotion uh to me uh, like
1: krishna is a young troublemaker yes. sort of like yeah yeah
2: because he was he had painted okay maybe you know the answer to this how he had painted his palms and the bottoms of his feet so they were like a bright like
0: a red red, like a crimson red. Mm-hmm.
2: but it didn't I was just amazed that he was working so hard and it never came off. It just, like, didn't rub off on his costume. It Mm -hmm. was just... So red
1: I, I don't know this for sure But it may be similar To like henna When mm. he, so More like a, a Temporary tattoo Sort of mm. um, But it is It is so that you really See the flares In in the gesture mm. And when the bottom Of the feet You know You really see um, you're, you're supposed to notice it You're supposed mm. to notice The feet more And that's why they're Such a crazy color But I do think It's some kind of Like more like A henna based Type of project Where mm. it's just That's why it doesn't Come off <laughs> <laughs> Like makeup but
2: he, he was amazing and I, I loved at first. So in that space, because it was a just a black box space mm-hmm. that they had arranged proscenium style, um, the wings weren't very deep. So we were sitting on kind of the extreme, uh, extreme side. So you could see into the wings, and I just loved this because in those moments, especially for uh, for Naren, between his little bits, mm-hmm. when he had that like brief moment to sort of chill and catch yeah, his breath yeah, yeah. I loved I appreciated seeing him just like he did like a big like roll down shakedown <laughs> <laughs> and then got back into it and I love that because as soon as he like stepped onto the stage he was in it he was on he was so sharp he just needed that like one second <laughs> yeah, just, that, just that moment
0: um, one thing I think with all of these that I don't know how much uh, we can speak to necessarily but sort of in uh, Brian Webb in introing the, um, the show uh, talked about um, these were works and um, it was uh, it was sort of a mix of tradition and, and contemporary in the sense of a lot of the uh, performers, I believe, uh, maybe the choreographers um, were um, were Canadian um, uh, of second or third generation maybe, um, and so they're not um, they're not uh, of, uh, they're of Indian descent of course, but um, they're not, um, there's a difference there, he sort of specified that like that that changes these traditions when they when they're approached and how they're interpreted by people um who come who've grown up in a different very different way and i, I can't speak to i don't have enough knowledge of of indian dance to uh chart that and chart the differences and how um they were becoming contemporary or not but i felt they all felt very vivid um in in their storytelling they all felt like very ambitious mm-hmm. in in their way um and, and in four very different ways i guess they were trying uh, and am- tackling fairly ambitious, not just in terms of the technicality, but combining that with with the storytelling and and that sort of thing. It felt it felt like a lot of ambition, which was how I I, I was seeing that come through. I guess that was given that context. That was my uh, interpretation on that, mm-hmm. which I don't yeah I don't know how to speak to yeah. necessarily. But
2: it was also I appreciated. Excuse me. Um, it felt like we had two audiences uh,
0: mm-hmm.
2: in the space. There was an audience that. Um, no South Asian tradition, maybe knew the mythology. For sure, knew the dance because mm-hmm. they were the ones who started the applause. Yeah. at certain moments yeah. uh, where it's like, oh, this is a thing that's okay, cool, yeah, great. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. on the board.
0: Yeah, I was feeling this about all these spins, but now I'm <laughs> given yeah. permission to do <laughs> yes. this. Yeah, yeah.
2: So I, I, I loved that we had a strong audience base that was like for for this show that came out for this style of show, mm-hmm. and then I kind of hung around after. And I was listening to other audience members and the uh, those who who came because it was a Brian Webb show mm-hmm. who mentioned how different and how lucky and fortunate they were mm-hmm. one quote I, I heard a woman say she's like where else would we have had the chance to see this mm, yeah like this is so different than anything I've seen before and she she had a lot of joy and kind of excitement about something new mm-hmm. and it and especially different culture and for me, growing up, uh, doing Ukrainian dance, um, being able to share that and the, the friends I made who were not Ukrainian, who got into, just joined the culture in a way through the mm-hmm. dance world, I kind of felt that feeling listening to these, um, yeah, these audience members gain this new appreci- appreciation for a new culture through the dance form. Mm-hmm. That was like super cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. This was one thing that we noticed in Brian Webb's season. We're like, well, that's that's a little different, mm-hmm. you know, because um, for for decades now, four decades, Brian Webb has been bringing in contemporary dance from elsewhere, mm-hmm. um, for the most part. And so um, to see um, a number of um, were they Edmonton-based performers or all ca- Canadian?
2: Some were from India, like this Ayan uh, Banerjee. Is from Mumbai, mm-hmm. but then Rhea Mittal from Ed, from Edmonton, I believe. Mm-hmm. So a mix. Yeah. Uh,
0: Naren has uh, been working in Alberta for, for years.
1: Dor- Dorothy <laughs> is making a fuss in here now. <laughs> Hi, Dorothy. Oh, hello, yes. All right. Well and maybe and maybe that's a point where we can we can wrap up this section. Thanks so much Larissa for yeah. being on the podcast yeah, and seeing your show. You. Thank you. Hi puppy. Okay. All right. <laughs> now it's time for another ad. Whatever your feelings about the outcome last week, the Alberta election is now indeed over. In the most recent episode of the Dave Berta podcast, Dave and Ryan discussed the election results, who Jason Kenney might pick for the UCP government cabinet, what's next for Rachel Notley and the NDP, if there's a future for the Alberta party and the Liberal party, and a few other thoughts about what might happen next. To find out more about Dave Berta and all of APN's member shows, visit albertapodcastnetwork.com. Pew. Bam. What a week it was, Paul. <laughs> what a week. Uh, so what's coming
0: up in the future, Fonda? What are we looking at for the next little while in our listings?
1: Right. Um, as discussed earlier, uh, The Empress and the Prime Minister by Darren Hagen is running at Theatre Network's Roxy on Gateway until May 5th.
0: Um, at the Citadel uh, is The Tempest, the Shakespeare classic reinterpreted, um, uh, which is happening from uh, April 20th until May 12th.
1: Um, And the next edition of Mile Zero Dance's Dance Crush series, No Guesses Found, with Amber Baracic and Jesse Gervais, is on April 26th and 27th.
0: And then from April 27th until May 7th, we have the Rubaboo Arts Festival with the Dream Speakers Film Festival, which is happening in various locations around town.
1: Yeah, that sounds pretty cool, too. So there's lots to see in Edmonton. It is spring. Spring has sprung. I have allergies. It's good. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that's happening to you. Anyhow. Um, go see some shows everyone Bye I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network Powered by ATB You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts Or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com Or the CKUA radio app
0: I don't get it is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio.
1: Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com.
0: I don't get it is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush
2: and Paul Blenoff.